0: This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hi, I'm Fern Nullum, and welcome to Into You, the podcast where we put love under the microscope, shedding light on the do's, don'ts, and nightmare scenarios we find ourselves in while flirting with romance.
1: It was something that my parents and my grandma would always talk to me like, the right guy is out
0: there, and he'll accept you for who you
1: are.
2: There was just a lot of thoughts going through my head when it came to accommodating for her disability.
0: We all come at dating from a slightly different angle, but we are often faced with very similar situations to shape up to. You do
3: want someone who appreciates you as the whole person, as a whole package.
2: I always thought, like, okay, I wonder what people are thinking that I'm with this girl with a disability. Like, are they going to think that she or I are weird?
0: Dating can uncover things about ourselves we never knew before. So, without further ado, let's get... You both happy to go? Mm Mm-hmm. That works. Okay. lovely. Hey, can you believe it's been another month already? I know I can't. And yet it's time for the second in our two-part series on dating with a disability here on Into You. Last time, we spoke to Paige, who's a wheelchair user, about her dating dilemmas. I told him, and he went, well, you wasted my entire three weeks then. Why would I ever want to go on a date with someone in a wheelchair? And found out why Julian, who was born with only one arm, was worried that he might never find love.
2: And she said, well, all the girls were talking, and we were talking about all the boys, and we were saying how hot you were, and you would be so perfect if only you didn't have one arm.
0: Today, we're going to be delving deeper into the dynamics behind dating with a disability as we chat to psychologist and researcher Liz Mazure about what the current situation is like. If we look at the marriage
3: rates of people with disabilities compared to people without disabilities, they haven't gotten closer with time. And how laughter can break down just about any barrier between two people. The people I found most enjoyable in my research are the ones who have a sense of humour. But first,
0: Kelsey Ryan Hartman is a model, critical care nurse and limb difference advocate who was born with only one hand. I was interested to chat to both her and her non-disabled partner Paul about their dating journey in order to gain insight from both sides. I started off by asking Kelsey what her dating life had been like before she met Paul.
1: I first started dating boys in middle school and that was not a fun time for me. I had a lot of boys make fun of my arm. A boy that I really liked, I found out behind my back, had given me the nickname Nubs. I had a boy actually come up to me and say, I would date you if you had two hands. Guys would just not talk to me because of my hand.
0: What did you learn from those early experiences? Well, at the time,
1: I saw it as, well, I guess I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm gross because I only have one hand. Like, no guy's going to like me. So when me and Paul went on our first date, he knew about my arm, but I still was a little insecure. And so we went to a restaurant and I kind of held my arm under the table most of the time when we ate because I still just wasn't sure, like,
0: is he going to judge me because of my arm? Do you think that your own doubts and insecurities about your disability can have an impact on how other other people feel about it
1: I think sometimes if you show people that you are confident if I show them it does not bother me I can joke about it I think that makes them feel more comfortable and realize like oh she's okay with it like we can be okay with it too but if I do hide it don't talk about it ever and just try and make it go away I think that would make others feel uncomfortable too about it
0: So how did you two meet them? We
1: both went to college together. We went to Ball State University. There was a barbecue going on on campus. And I went to meet up with a friend. And he went because he heard there was some free food there.
0: (laughs) My kind of guy.
1: (laughs) Someone had come up to me and asked, you know, like, are you still doing cheer? And so I said, yeah. And Paul, he had cheered in high school. And so he started talking to me about cheer. And we ended up sitting next to each other at one of the picnic tables and eating lunch together. And so
0: that's how it kind of started off. And were you worried about how Paul might react to your disability?
1: Yeah, I was. When I meet new people, it is something I think about, you know, like, are they going to see my arm right away? Are they going to judge me? Are they going to think it's weird? It's something that's always in the back of my head when I'm meeting new people, but he acted totally normal. Like we played games together and He didn't show any
0: like weirdness about it, I guess. And Paul, from your side, what was your first impression of Kelsey like?
2: I've always been the person that's tried to be inclusive of everyone, whether that be like foreign exchange students at school or people with disabilities, you know, reach out and try to include them as well and to make them comfortable. When I met Kelsey, I had not really had a lot of exposure to people with a limb difference. So it was different, I suppose, but she was pretty, she was very nice, so it was easy to talk to her. And I really didn't ask her about it. I didn't wanna make it a big deal. I'm sure that everyone talks to her about her disability. So I wanted to be that person that didn't make that the sole focus of our conversation or our connection together.
0: What were some of your concerns about dating somebody with a limb difference?
2: So this is something that um, I even had to talk to some of my friends about just to kind of get their opinions. Because I remember asking, like, if I were to take her out to dinner, would I have to cut her food or does she know how to drive? It's stuff that obviously she probably would know how to do. I just was not exposed to it. So... (laughs) Initially, I did have a lot of worries, I suppose, and a lot of concerns, just as far as like, you know, what it would take on my side in the relationship. Quickly, I learned, as well as most people do when they know somebody with a disability, is that they do adapt to their environment and they do find ways to get along in life just fine. And Kelsey can do anything, if not more than I can do. I think it just kind of takes a little bit of knowing that person and just knowing their boundaries in order to really get comfortable with them.
0: And you've mentioned that you always wanted to be a very inclusive person. Did you feel almost guilty for having those doubts and those concerns? Did you feel like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way?
2: Yeah, and that does come with it. I think the only reason that I might have second guessed it at all was just because there was a level of unknown to it. I did feel guilty because she is a very nice person. She is very pretty. She's smart. You know, she's an overachiever. So I thought, you know, that should not be a reason for me to even second guess being with her.
0: Kelsey, did you know that Paul had those doubts about dating you at the time? no at the time I didn't know but we talk about
1: it now I think it's kind of funny like that's something I didn't really think about if a guy would wonder like will I have to cut her food will I have to help her with a bunch of things we kind of laugh about it now Mm. I get if you've never met somebody that has a limb difference you have no idea what all they're able to do and so if it's something you've never experienced before then you wouldn't know
0: Paul you mentioned that you spoke to some friends about it how did you feel about talking to your friends about this situation?
2: I think when I approached them, I wanted to be careful about what I say, I suppose, and I wanted them to as well because obviously I still like Kelsey and her personality. I didn't want them to take anything away from who she was by the way that they talked about her, if they had any concerns at all. I just had a lot of anxiousness when talking to them about it because obviously a relationship is a big commitment, so if I did have those concerns, I just wanted to make sure that I was making the right decision. There was just a lot of thoughts going through my head when it came to accommodating for her disability.
0: Do you think it might have been different if your friends hadn't been supportive and hadn't said, oh, you know, it'll be fine.
2: Honestly, I think it would have. If my friends wouldn't have supported me, I think you know, there might've been a different outcome just because there's a lot of level of uncertainty. And I mean, I would be lying if there's a part of this situation where like you don't feel like you're being judged or looked at differently because you're dating somebody with a disability, that completely plays a factor. And it shouldn't, you know, you should just be able to look at that person. But that is definitely something that you think about when dating a disability is how other people look at you. I am just glad that I did have friends to support me in it. And they saw the positive outcome of dating somebody with a disability
0: what was it that your friends said to you that encouraged you to take that chance
2: the biggest advice that they gave me when it came to like should i ask if she needs help with these things they just said honestly she's dealt with this for her whole life if she has something that she might need help with or she has any questions you know she'll ask i think that was probably the biggest takeaway that my friends gave me to almost calm me down and make me less anxious for our date
0: how did you talk about your disability Kelsey and did it feel natural to talk about it or were you worried about talking about it
1: well I guess it's something that I need to work on to me sometimes I totally forget that I have one hand like I've just grown up this way and like this is my life I was showing Paul some of my YouTube videos and it was at that point he paused the video and he was like hey do you want to like actually talk about this and that's when I realized like oh I never actually told him like I was born this way and so that's how it kind of came up.
2: I think when she finally told me it was just like the speculation and the theories about what happened was way more than what I was expecting so it just was like okay that wasn't even a big deal I should have just asked her in the first place.
0: Do you think it made you closer as a couple once that was all kind of out in the open?
2: I think it's almost a good thing that I didn't ask it really just allowed me to not think about it it just made me focus really on like who she was. By the time that we got to the point where she finally told me, I already had a good idea of what kind of person she was. You know, I did love her at that point already. So when she told me, it didn't really change much.
0: In what ways do you think that dating somebody with a disability is different to dating somebody without a disability?
1: Just the factor of being judged, I guess. Paul's friends are really nice people, but he might have had friends that were like judging him for dating somebody with one hand. Maybe like some of the guys that I talked to in middle school, they could have been like that. Why would you date her? She only has one hand. What will other people think? is a bigger factor in a relationship where there's like a disability.
0: Paul, what would you say to somebody who's in the position that you were in feeling unsure about dating someone with a disability?
2: Hey, it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, they have made it this far with their disability. They are well acclimated into their lives and doing everything just fine. If you do like them as a person and who they are, that is really what should matter because at the end of the day, you just look at them as your boyfriend or girlfriend. You don't look at them as my girlfriend with the disability. In my opinion, she's just like everybody else.
0: What has dating with a disability taught you about yourself or about other people?
1: I think it's helped me understand that the right people are in your life for a reason. If somebody doesn't accept you for who you are, then they shouldn't be in your life. They're not the right person for you. And that was something that I had to learn. I was constantly just trying to feel accepted. And I hope there's somebody out there that will like me, even though like, I only have one hand. It was something that my parents and my grandma would always talk to me like, the right guy is out there and he'll accept you for who you are. And That's something I realize now. You shouldn't have to go out and like hope to find somebody. I think it's something that takes some like maturing. I always thought like, well, it matters like how I look, but it really doesn't matter. It's about like who you are as a person.
2: I think it changes my outlook completely now that I'm with Kelsey in a long-term relationship. I don't even look at somebody differently. You don't feel sorry for someone anymore. You know, you just think like they, you know, deserve as much respect as anybody else. They have a difference, but so does everybody else. Everybody has their own differences. So everybody should be accepted because once you actually get to know somebody, they have their own personalities, their own likes, their own dislikes. And I think that you really have to get to know them for those interests in order to actually know who they are, because their disability does not define them.
0: How do you think we can make dating with a disability less intimidating from both sides?
2: If there was just more exposure of disabilities in the community, it would have been so much easier for me to not have all these questions and concerns and to look past all of them in order to find out who Kelsey was a lot quicker. It's a lot harder to go into a relationship when there is that elephant in the room. You know, get that out of the way and just make it a normal part of the conversation so that it's not so hard to just talk about in the first place.
0: Kelsey and Paul had made me think about the problems which our own uncertainties can present to us. Their story seemed to me to revolve around two people who had both had doubts and fears which they each respectively felt they needed to hide from one another, for fear of being judged, criticised or rejected. Well, here on Into You with me, Fern Lullum, the podcast you're listening to right now, I was keen to gauge how others behave in similar situations. So, as is the protocol of most scientific studies in 2021, I put out a post on social media, and here are a selection of my favourite answers. The sentence reads... I try to stay open-minded when dating by dot 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 finish the sentence. George, asking my date questions instead of making assumptions. We all know what assuming does, don't we, George? Alice, reminding myself of the possibility that I could be wrong. I think that one can just be good advice to carry through the entire relationship, Alice. Glenn, listening to Into You and understanding that my brain can play all kinds of tricks on me all the time when dating. <laughs> Thanks for the testimonial there, Glenn. Your check's in the mail. And Michelle telling myself they might actually like me. Aw, yeah, it's true, Michelle. Sometimes the hardest person to be open-minded about is yourself, isn't it? Kelsey and Paul had confirmed to me the issues wrapped up within the wild unknown and the irony of the huge fear around the idea of going into dating blind when it came to taking a chance on someone with a disability. I was hungry to find out more about why our brains behave this way and what kind of hope there might be for normalising disability in dating. So I contacted psychologist and disabled dating researcher Liz Mazur to give me some answers. We started our chat by discussing what part a person's sex might play in whether having a disability might be a problem when it comes to dating.
3: Research suggests that men are more likely to be uninterested in dating a person with a disability. Women are more open in general. Is there
0: psychology that explains that?
3: Men seem to put somewhat more value than women do on physical attractiveness. Now, everybody would like a partner who's physically attractive, but it does seem to be something that is somewhat more important to men. Some people with physical disabilities and skin conditions and that kind of stuff may not fit the typical view of what an attractive person is. Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot of who you know, too. If you grew up in a family or in a community or in a school where there were people with disabilities, you are likely to be more comfortable. But a lot of people grow up and they've not knowingly interacted with a person with a disability.
0: So it's kind of fear of the unknown.
3: Yes, I think it is. I found in my research, people are most reluctant to date a person with an intellectual disability like Down syndrome. And that's because most people want someone that they feel is their intellectual equal. But generally, people with disabilities were like, cool. (laughs) Here's Mm. someone who understands what it's like. And they learned, I think, more about their rights than possibly previous generations who were more hidden, taught to be embarrassed that there was something different about them. So I think that has helped people with disabilities to also be more accepting of themselves.
0: Do you think there has been any shift amongst non-disabled people in their view of disability, or has it kind of just remained across the board that they're quite hesitant?
3: If we look at the marriage rates of people with disabilities compared to people without disabilities, they haven't gotten closer with time. In fact, I believe that they've gotten a little bit more different, where the rate of marriage for people with disabilities has become even more lower than those without disabilities who marry at a much higher rate.
0: What kind of effect does being rejected based on having a disability have on a person psychologically?
3: I don't think it's that different in some ways than a person without a disability I think the question is that sometimes the person with a disability doesn't know why they're being rejected. Are they being rejected because of their disability or they being rejected because of the same reasons everybody gets rejected? You know, it wasn't a good match. Mm -hmm. So I think, especially if they're ghosted, that is the harder part.
0: Yeah, that's always good fun, isn't it? When you don't know why somebody's just disappeared. And I've heard a lot of stories of disabled people being met with almost anger if they don't disclose their disability straight away. Why do you think that you get such a strong reaction? Well, those
3: are obviously the people who aren't accepting of disability Mm -hmm. and they probably feel fooled. Some people with disabilities who don't initially disclose it in their profiles or in their photos do end up changing to disclose it so they get rid of those situations. Mm-hmm. You know, as a screening process, there's a lot that goes into deciding when you're going to inform people about disability. For a long
0: time, I thought, you know, I want people to get to know me before they just judge me based on their very limited, like you say, information about disabilities that might just freak them out initially before they kind of got to know me as a human.
3: My sample in my latest study was basically split between those who disclosed from the get go to those who waited or sometimes, you know, some people have disabilities that are in Obvious. You have a learning disability. If you have a chronic illness, when you take a photo, you may not be hiding anything. Mm. And some people didn't put it in, say, for safety reasons. But then they also have the problem they don't disclose initially. Well, when? (laughs) And that sort of weighs on you. Do you wait till the first date? Do you wait till the second date? If you are going to date and you're in a wheelchair, you're date needs to know about the accommodations you might need, you know, a restaurant without steps, for Mm -hmm. example. So the people who do disclose are often like, phew, okay, I don't have to worry about that. (laughs) I'm not going to get any haters. And I think a lot of it is, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. It is hard. When I asked that question in my study, I was really hoping to get information that I could then say, to other people look this is what's recommended it's not that easy
0: (laughs) god i've got so many stories of when i didn't tell people before i met them and then i had to sort of keep up this act of somebody who could see (laughs) we hear a lot about self-acceptance when it comes to disability what do you think about the idea that you have to fully love yourself and accept yourself before anyone can
3: love or accept you well, that's certainly grounded in psychology, but there's a part of me said that nobody would ever find a partner. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to accept yourself to a certain extent and consider yourself a somewhat lovable person. But I think if we're waiting for 100%, yeah, we're going to have a lot of single people.
0: Even if I'm happy and 99% of the time I'm fine, there are always those little moments where somebody's doing something that requires sight. And I think, God, I wish I could do that. (laughs) You know, there's just that little moment, which like you say, I guess all of us have to a certain degree, whether we're
3: disabled or not. Yes, exactly.
0: What do you think is in psychological terms, which makes some people so wary of disabilities?
3: I think it's fear of the unknown, just like we have seen basically with the acceptance of people who aren't heterosexual, people who don't fit the gender binary, Mm. right? I think it's also the fear of feeling stupid. You know, you don't know like what's doing too little, what's doing too much. You want to be helpful, but you don't want to be over helpful. You don't want to feel stupid. I think that's what it is. Plus also, I think the way we raise children in our society, and I think this is almost all societies, certainly all Western culture, is happily ever after is with a Barbie doll. (laughs) It's with a person who has their abilities. I mean, are there children's books out there, movies where one or even both of the people in a romantic relationship have a disability? You just don't have role models in the media, in the culture.
0: Do we need to write to Disney and come up with a new film for them, which involves a disabled Disney princess? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm up for playing that role. If you're listening, Disney, I'm yeah, I'm available <laughs> for that. From a disabled person's point of view, what can you do to kind of help people with that? How could you make them feel
3: as comfortable as possible? Explaining, I think. <laughs> Not assuming that the person gets it. Being clear about needs and wants. Yes, if I'm in a wheelchair, I might want somebody to help me get things off of a high shelf, just like a short person without a wheelchair might like. But no, I don't want you to help me cross the street because I can do it fine. Thank you very much. Maybe without that snarkiness. Yes, Um, (laughs) I think a lot of it is about attitude. You know, I have a friend who's a wheelchair user. I want to understand what is helpful and what is not. If you explain to your non-romantic partner friends what's useful, well, it wouldn't be any different for somebody you're dating.
0: You shouldn't be ashamed to ask those questions, you know, help me understand.
3: Right. Yeah. But people do tend to be awkward and embarrassed to do that. They often feel they should know, although we don't educate people about disability. So there is no reason why anyone without a disability should know. Yeah. And even people who share diagnostic labels might have different experiences. Do you
0: think it's better to sort of inform young people that they might be met with negative attitudes, or is it better to just let them sort of go out and see what happens and, you know, go from there?
3: Mm. Well, I would hate to take somebody who has a lot of confidence and tear away at it because, you know, the way we act is sometimes then how we become. So if we feel confident, I don't want to make them nervous before they reach out to someone they are romantically interested in. And I guess I would say that a person who then does reciprocate is likely to be a nice person, a person with empathy. So that's the fish that we're looking for in the sea. But yeah, everybody falls on their face sometimes.
0: Can that really affect you, just your level of confidence, how accepting you are of it and how open you are to putting yourself out there?
3: Oh, definitely. I mean, I think the lack of confidence is true for people with or without disabilities. Some people with disabilities will have less confidence because they may be less experienced. So if they were not asked out during high school for instance due to whatever their disability is, they're not going to have that experience is going to help them. Let's say now when they're 22 years old, I think having peers who are in similar situations is really helpful. I think having a cheerleading squad, you know, whether it's family or friends, is really helpful. Confidence I think makes a big difference for anyone in a dating situation, and what I would say is if you pretend to be confident, you may fool yourself and actually become confident. We act the way we want to be and that'll help us be that way. Wow, I feel like you're reading my mind now, Liz. That is uh,
0: (laughs) kind of my whole life, yeah, I think. (laughs) Just pretending to be confident and then hoping it comes across in the right way. I've often heard it said that if somebody doesn't accept you because you have a disability, they're not worth your time. I've been told this so many times by friends when I was online dating, you know, if they don't like you, they're not worth it, screw them. Do you think that that's a reasonable attitude to have?
3: Well, that's really not very different from what people without disabilities hear too when they get rejected. That's what their friends and families will also say. You know, if your friend is dating and you have questions about the person they're dating, you might hold it in until they break up and then you let it out. Oh, thank God you broke up with that person. (laughs) That information is correct, but I think it's correct for everybody because if they don't have the patience for whatever your disability is now, well, what's it going to be? like later. You do want someone who appreciates you as a whole person, as a whole package, just like if they don't accept your love of rock climbing. <laughs> if that's what you do every Saturday and Sunday, maybe they're not the right person for you either.
0: That's nice to see that similarity between people and the fact that our experiences aren't so different. They're just based on slightly different things. But there are some people who aren't phased by dating someone with a disability at all. What do you think is the biggest influence to make them more open-minded in that
3: I think it's just comfort. And I think if you're comfortable with yourself, you are more likely to be comfortable with somebody who may not fit the norm, because that's what we're talking about. You know, a person with a disability is not necessarily different. They just typically don't fit the norm, society's ideal. They also have to be strong, because I have heard stories of people who got flack from their relatives about dating someone with a disability, why would you date her? You could do better than that. And in fact, we think that one reason some people without disabilities don't date people with disabilities is because they get this message that that's sort of a step down. I can do better than that. Or they are interested in someone who has a disability, but the messages around them is, why would you do that to yourself when you could have a person without a disability? Mm. So we have those messages in our society that a lot of people, without disabilities are hearing and possibly even people with disabilities, which is why they may be nervous themselves.
0: What does that say about you if you can only date somebody who has a disability when they have all of these negative views coming at them?
3: Yeah, exactly. People often will look at a couple where one has a disability and wonder, well, what's wrong with the person who doesn't have the obvious disability that they would only be with the disabled person. Something must be wrong with him or her because they had to end up with a person with disability.
0: How can we normalise disability in dating so that people aren't so nervous, so scared?
3: Well, first we have to have a culture that integrates disability more and makes people realise that even if they don't have a disability now, they're very likely to at some time in their life. Accidents happen, illnesses, may show up in one's, you know, middle adulthood or later. Just like we're all going to be old, many of us all have a disability. So let's just normalize it. Let's include people with disabilities in our daily life. Perhaps we should educate children more about it. I mean, children tend to be very open. Have you ever had a dog Yes, I have a guide dog. (laughs) A guide dog, yes. So, you know, you can imagine, if nothing else, they're going to be attracted by the dog. Isn't that cool? She has this dog and she has the dog because, you know, it helps her do A, B, and C. I think having teachers and professionals with disabilities so that everybody runs into people with disabilities in their normal life would make life much easier. 50% of Americans will suffer mental distress at some point in their lives. All right. So if we just talk about how common it is and include people in our lives with disabilities and not make them take the elevator at the back of the building to get into the library but (laughs) or keep them in an office that is shut away from customers, for example, that would be a way for everybody to get more comfortable with people with disabilities. You know, there are some people you're just not going to change. For instance, some people don't have any patience for people with speech impediments, but sometimes if you just change the way you look at it, for instance, I learned this from my friend, Eleth Temple-Kobel. If you consider it an accent, You've now normalized it, right? It's just an accent. Mm -hmm. You know, I might have a hard time understanding someone from Australia initially, but I'm not going to discriminate against them. So why would I discriminate against a person with a cerebral palsy or a stutter or some other accent like that? I think if our culture just included more Barbie dolls with wheelchairs, and we had more heroines who were visually impaired, you know, in our novels, Mm -hmm. because we're not used to it. I mean, people have a tendency to not like things that are different. And that's really, really going to be hard Mm -hmm. to work against. But we do know that young adults are more open-minded than people in previous generations to people with different gender orientations, different sexual orientations. So hopefully that'll also be true with different psychological and physical presentations. Mm. I mean, the other thing we're working against too, which I hear especially from people with physical and motor disabilities is, especially for men, we very much want the buff man (laughs) and for some people like they're just not going to be able to work out there are also people without disabilities who never set a foot in the gym and have no interest (laughs) to either
0: and talking of buff bodies i had a lot of people saying you don't see representation of disability in a sexual way do you think that has any bearing on how people feel about dating someone with a disability oh definitely
3: yeah i'm so glad you asked that people tend to think people with disabilities especially women are asexual which of course they're not years and years and years and years ago, there was one movie, Coming Home, where the Vietnam vet who's paralyzed and in a wheelchair, I believe, does have sex in the wheelchair with a woman. That was the only representation I can think of. And I actually did do a search at one point for articles on sexuality for people with disabilities. And there is almost nothing out there. And if you open up a book like The Joy of Sex, I don't believe you are going to find any depictions of what to do if you have physical limitations.
0: I know myself, it affects your self-worth and your confidence so much. If you don't feel attractive, it can really damage your self-esteem in dating and feeling like you're going to be able to find a partner.
3: Right. It makes absolutely no sense. Why would a person who is blind or hearing impaired, what does that have to do with sex? Absolutely nothing. In fact, you could probably do an argument that, you know, because sex is tactile, it could be better, right? Wouldn't any man like a
0: girl who who has to use our hands as her eyes. <laughs> you know, that was sort of how I worked my disability into flirting. What are some of the lessons that you've learned from that research, both from a disabled point of view and a non-disabled point of view? What can we take away?
3: First of all, it does seem positive that at least some people with disabilities have not internalised the stigma, that they're often proud of who they are. There are some extra challenges for dating with a disability that often have to do with the stereotypes of other people, especially those without disability. But a person with a disability can even be a better partner because they're more likely to be empathic. They know what it's like when everything doesn't come easy, for example. And if you're certain things you can't do because of limitations, there are probably some things you can do really well because that's where you put a lot of your energy. So I would encourage people with disabilities to not give up.
0: Do you have any advice for non-disabled people if they are hesitant about dating someone with a disability? What would you say to them?
3: Be open-minded. A person with a disability is person first. Learning how to interact with a person with a specific disability, that'll come. If they're interested in you, they'll tell you what they they need. They're not going to make you gas. So don't be put off by the wheelchair. Don't assume that they're not interested in sex. The people I found most enjoyable in my research and the ones who seem to be dating the most are the ones who have a sense of humor. I mean, sense of humor is always good anyway, whether you have a disability or not. But if you are prone to having accidents, for instance, whatever type of accidents we're talking about. I don't about, know what you mean, Liz. <laughs> don't get uptight, laugh about it. If you laugh about yourself, so will the person with you. And so I think having a sense of humor about one's fallibilities, whether they're personal fallibilities that we all have or those that are due to one disability is really important. I think that is what's going to make your date comfortable. So you spill something, big deal. You laugh about it rather than get all upset and uptight. And then they'll learn to laugh with you too.
0: I think the way that I managed to bag my partner was getting spaghetti sauce all around my mouth. I laughed about it though, Liz, so it's all right. (laughs) We got (laughs) through it. (laughs) Liz had given me hope that by being proactive, both disabled and non-disabled people alike could start to feel more comfortable flirting, fancying, and even falling in love with one another. As always, I want to hear from you. What impact do you think disability has on finding love? And what more can we all do in order to promote acceptance despite difference in dating? Leave me a comment and let me know. For now, though, you've been listening to Into You with me, Fern Lullan. Special thanks to my guests, Kelsey, Paul and Liz, all of whose links will be in the show notes. Also to Joshua Holland and Sam Robinson for technical support and to the manager of AMI, Andy Frank. Leave me your feedback at feedback at AMI.ca. If you liked what you heard, make sure to search for Into You on your favourite or indeed any podcast distributing platform and subscribe for more episodes coming your way on the first Thursday of every month. I know, I'm missing you already. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.